For Cybercrime Radio, I'm Amanda Glasner, Deputy Editor at Cybercrime Magazine. Joining me today is Heather Engel, Managing Partner at Strategic Cyber Partners. Heather, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Amanda. So, Heather, you and I are both familiar with taking video calls for work. Now, imagine this. You're in a meeting with your boss, your colleagues, and the entire team, but little do you know, everyone except you is an AI-generated deepfake, and they're all working together to manipulate you into transferring millions of dollars. According to CNN, a finance worker in Hong Kong fell victim to this very scenario, which demonstrates just how severe the emerging threat posed by deepfakes is. Can you take our listeners through the story? Sure. Well, when we first started talking about this story, even the idea of that level of deception is really scary. I mean, I hear you talk about it and I get nervous just thinking about that. So as you mentioned, a finance worker at a multinational firm was tricked into paying out millions. That person was asked to join a video conference and it turns out that everyone on the video conference was AI generated. So the worker initially grew suspicious after a message that was from the company's chief financial officer. They suspected that it was a phishing email. It was talking about a secret transaction. And then the worker got on a video call. Everyone else on the call looked and sounded just like colleagues that they recognized. And in this situation, the worker agreed to remit a total of 200 million Hong Kong dollars, so about 25.6 million U.S. dollars. And so this is one of several recent episodes that we're seeing where fraudsters or scammers are using deepfake technologies to modify publicly available video and other footage to cheat people out of money and to run some of these scams. And deepfakes seem to be popping up more and more lately from a recent incident involving Taylor Swift to increasing political impersonations as we head into election season. And while these high profile cases grab headlines, we can't ignore the growing impact this technology has on ordinary people. In your opinion, is this just the tip of the iceberg? And how much more widespread do you think deepfakes could become? Yes, this is absolutely just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, we are all still, those of us who work in cybersecurity and risk management, we're still talking to people about how to recognize phishing emails, right? And in this situation, a deep fake that's good enough to fool someone at a multinational company who was already suspicious, what does that say for the rest of us? And particularly for the general population who doesn't work in cybersecurity or risk management, this is absolutely something that is just the tip of the iceberg. And we could start to see this become much more widespread in the future. You know, imagine a phishing email where someone is suspicious enough to say, hey, I don't believe that this is from my family member or my friend. And then the person offers to get on a call with them, a video call or a FaceTime and deep fake technology is used to impersonate that person. We always will tell our clients and customers, or we have in the past, that if you're suspicious about a transaction, make a phone call, get on the line with the person who's asking for it and validate this transaction. And now what we're seeing is that that might not even be enough. Are we going to have to physically be in the same room with someone? What are some of the other means that we could put in place to validate that someone is actually who they say they are? Right. I think at this point, it's becoming so difficult to differentiate these scams because they're becoming increasingly more sophisticated. And looking at the big picture, how do you see deepfakes impacting the future of online interactions and digital trust? 
Well, it's similar to what I just mentioned. We would always tell someone that if you're going to transact a large amount of money or something along those lines, make sure that you're validating the person on the other end is who they say they are. And so what we're going to have to look at is other ways of establishing digital trust. And what are some other ways that we can secure these online interactions? Are there any specific ways you can share with our listeners about how they can protect themselves from falling victim to this technology? Well, there's really two aspects to this, right? You can fall victim being the person who gets scammed by a deep fake, or your image or your likeness could be used to create a deep fake. And this is something we've talked about on our show before. We all do podcasts. And so it would be relatively easy for someone to take the sound of my voice or your voice and create a deep fake that sounds just like you and I sound with the inflection and the appropriate tone. So obviously, one of the things that we can do is limit what we share online. Public profiles and high profile celebrities, people like that are obviously more likely to have their likeness used. You mentioned the case that happened with Taylor Swift earlier this year. If you've got social media, photos, things like that, make sure that your account isn't a public profile unless you have a need for that. And there are some people that that's how they make their living. So that's not going to necessarily be appropriate for them. But again, I think looking at ways to establish that digital trust and verification, if it's a friend or a family member, make a phone call outside of a link that's provided by that person. If it's someone saying that they need money and you know them in person and you have reason to be suspicious or they're in a reasonable geographic area, maybe see if you can meet in person and talk about it. So we have to get a little bit more suspicious, unfortunately, and this may be one of those situations where where we start to see people doing things more in person and less over Zoom calls and teleconferences. Right. It seems like almost the complete polar opposite to what we've become used to living in these COVID times where everybody is doing Zoom meetings and online get-togethers. Yeah. And I think it's something that we're starting to see the pendulum swing back to where we have to put a little bit more of the personal relationships back into doing things in person. And I personally work remotely. I love working remotely. I work with the majority of my clients in that manner. But especially if we're talking about some sort of a financial transaction, maybe start to take some additional steps to verify that the person that you're talking to really is who you think. Yes, we definitely always want to verify those. Heather, thank you as always. I'm looking forward to catching up with you again next week. Thanks, Amanda. For Cybercrime Radio, I'm Amanda Glasner, Deputy Editor at Cybercrime Magazine. To hear more about this story and others, visit cybercrimewire.com. And for more of our media, you can visit our website at cybersecurityventures.com. 